So welcome to the Nutritious and Delicious podcast. My mission is to support busy parents all over the world to learn time management while taking care of your nutritional, physical, and emotional health. And I am Bethany. I'm the host of Nutritious and Delicious podcast. So after all, a healthy family starts with a healthy parent. And today I'm super excited. I have Trisha here with me today. And Trisha is an anxiety and trauma coach. And she also has advanced EFT practitioner and works with women, including women that actually have been conditioned from birth to be women, to feel calmer, happier, and live the life that they want. She has over 12 years experience actually supporting and mentoring and coaching moms around birth trauma and has also co-founded a perinatal mental health charity for support. She lives in Scotland, England with her four boys, dog, and enjoys to go to the beach for her own mental health. So I'm super excited to have you here today, Trisha. Thank you so, so, so much, Bethany, for inviting me in. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. So today's topic here is gonna be all about recovering from birth trauma. And I would love for you to actually be able to share a little bit about your personal story and why you can connect with so many moms here in our community today. Absolutely, I'd love to. Um, So my own experience was, um, so so we we couldn't have any children. We tried for quite a long time to fall pregnant with our own children. And and after four years of, not able to fall pregnant, we went through IVF and ended up with a set of twins. And um, and a year later, I spontaneously fell pregnant with um, with another child. I ended up with three children under the age of twenty, under the age of two, so twenty two wow. months apart, which was pretty um, which was pretty intense. And that all resulted in. Um, and what I, in what I can only describe as a complete mental health breakdown. So um, I quite often call it like a nervous breakdown because that's what it felt like. It felt like my whole body stopped working, mm-hmm. um, and it was a pretty intense experience. So after that, after that happened, and I started to recover, um, I decided that I wanted to work with new mums. I wanted to work with mums, mums who were in the same position as as me mums who are struggling with their mental health mm-hmm. and what I so I started to work as a, as a sort of postnatal doula and I was going in and out of people's houses and I thought I'd be working with a lot of twin mums is what I thought I'd be working with because my first two were twins and I was really involved in local twins club and I used to run like groups of twins club like support mm-hmm. groups where, we, where we'd like clutch on to each other but what I was actually working with was trauma. Yeah. And the people who were so broken that they wanted to invest in health, in, in help, sorry, were actually people who were severely traumatized by their experience. Um and I don't think I felt like my own experience had been quite traumatic, as in going to IVF is traumatic. And mm-hmm. my births were fairly traumatic, and um, <clears throat> my whole sort of postnatal experience was fairly traumatic. Yeah. Fairly traumatic because it was just so in- intense um, each and every time. So I-, I could really connect with them. I could really see like how like they weren't broken; they were reacting 
to a very, very, very intense experience. And they were really, really, really struggling with the intensity of it and really struggling with um, how difficult it was for them. You know, they were really, really finding it hard. Mm -hmm. So um, so I decided to retrain and, and really support women who had experienced, you know, had experienced trauma and I was working, you know, I was supporting them in their homes and I started running a charity with one of my friends, Lauren. Lauren and I set up doing a prenatal mental health so it's always like a four o'clock mm -hmm. and we're four o'clock in the UK and it's always like a four o'clock four o'clock barking session but she'll stop in a minute um so Lauren and I set up doing a prenatal mental health support and um and a lot of the women that were coming there were presenting with anxiety or depression but actually fundamentally a lot of them had experienced a very significant traumatic experience either in birth or in that perinatal experience you know that perinatal time mm -hmm. such as their breastfeeding experience such as a colicky baby such as as a as um you know maybe they'd experienced loss before they'd fallen pregnant all sorts of things can lead to those trauma symptoms there's there's a lot of trauma around um birth in general being pregnant i think when you've experienced that before um i know for myself when um i had experienced sort of the postnatal when i was pregnant before it even happened i was really anxious i think going into number baby number two and i'm sure you probably felt that way too because you you have four i've got so, four yes. yeah <laughs> so i decided to go through all again so so when my youngest started school what i felt was when my youngest started school was what I felt was I wanted to experience it all again with all the information I knew. So basically, so basically I decided that I really wanted to have that experience again, but have that experience from a place of knowledge and actually enjoy it. Like I felt like I never really got a chance to really enjoy my children. Mm -hmm. I felt I never really got a chance to um, to enjoy them and to be with them and to nurture them and to love them the way that I had really thought that I was going to do it because it had been so hard and it was just a completely different experience maybe number four it was a completely different experience because this time around I did everything completely differently I rested like I properly properly rested after having a baby I um I got a postnatal doula, which really supported my mental health. Mm -hmm. I had access to my own EFT supervisor. I had access to all the people who had supported, you know, who were part of the prenatal mental health charity that I founded. You know, so we had so many, I had so many different people. So it's a completely different experience. And, you know, and I felt so well. I felt well when I was pregnant. I felt well after I had my baby. Um, I felt like I could ask for help. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel bad for organising like a postnatal doula or feel bad for organising like a mother's, mother's help. Or, you know, in the UK here, like we generally wait a year until our kids like start nursery. Um, which is quite, I don't know, what's it like in Canada? What's the, when do you go back to work? Um, it's typically a year here uh, for most people that are um, like obviously being self-employed, it's a completely different story. But if you are kind of working for a company, typically it's a year and they expect you to be back. And if you take that time off ahead of time, like I did, I took a couple months off before they, they expect you back earlier and I wasn't ready. 
for myself yeah. either. So, so um, so certainly like I think in the states it's like it's like six weeks or something like crazy, oh, wow. isn't it? In the states it's like it's like yeah. a much 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 shorter um, yeah. time period. But I didn't feel guilty about like putting my son into nursery, like when, yeah. when like he was eight months old. Um, you know, put him in for like one, just started like you know, half half a day a week, and then built it up to to more time. And I didn't feel guilty about working and returning to work and mm-hmm. all those things. It's a completely different experience. My whole mindset was just different. It sounded um, like you had more of a community around you, the fourth the fourth baby, and it almost I think you gave yourself that permission to be able to ask for help. And I I know the feeling because the first time around, I remember I had my first son, I thought I should do everything myself. And it was a crash and burn situation for for me. And then second baby, I hired a doula for the birth. And then also the the doula became the postnatal doula and helped me. And um, it was more because I think I was anxious going into having two kids under the age of two right off the bat. So, I think it's like sec- second, third, fourth time around, you're kind of like, oh, I don't need to be that hard on myself, you know? So yeah. what's kind of some things that you could give us, like three or four things that you could give us that could help clients work through if they have had birth trauma or they are anxious about having baby number two? Can you give us some some tools around that? Absolutely. So, so people who experience breast trauma so like in the UK we think something between like a third and half of women wow. experience some sort of perinatal trauma and that will be the same right around the world you know yeah um, and particularly much more like medicalized and um, breast and environments breast trauma rates will be higher yeah and um, so we think they're like reasonably high but only a small number of them will go on to develop in um, PTSD oh, okay um, but some of the symptoms to be aware of are things like increased anxiety, feeling quite hypervigilant, feeling very angry, like having flashbacks, yeah. living experience again and again and again, isolating yourself from your friends or isolating yourself from other people who have had, who are pregnant or have just given birth. So there are some of the things to be aware of. So I think that's quite helpful to yeah. know. Um, to know what, what to be looking out for, yeah. whether that's something that's going to impact you. Because a lot of people will have a difficult experience, but their brain will be able to heal it themselves. So not everybody who's had a difficult experience will need help. Mm-hmm. But I think the first, I think the first thing to really think about is, um, is, is really, um, you know, the thing with trauma is often it's it's unprocessed. So it sits in the brain, and it can be very hard to understand like where it starts or where it stops um, it can be understand it can be really hard to understand that at some point actually you felt okay after it happened so those bookends to the trauma are really are really important those bookends to that experience are really important mm-hmm. so when, when it started and when it stopped mm-hmm. because sometimes what happens when you've experienced trauma is the brain doesn't recognize that it's finished and that it's over and it can stop protecting you mm-hmm. That's, that's huge actually that's big because I I do understand that process of you still feel like you're in a state of it's not even you it's like you've said before like your body's sort of trying to keep you um, in a state of it's it still fears that something could happen so like unknowingly you may do something like you just said like you may 
like avoid someone who's pregnant or something like that like if you're in public or and and you're not consciously sort of doing that and if it's sort of around birth trauma and I could imagine also a lot of women that experience loss of um, a baby or you know having to go through IVF and things like that like I could imagine being around people that are happy too are really tough very 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 tough so and and then actually what often happens is is women will then find communities people that are safe because yeah. you kind of want to be with other women who get it yeah and actually that then perpetuates the issue because then what happens is we're constantly triggering each other oh. and nobody's really getting any sort of process or any support right. to actually heal themselves so actually but what happens is you clutch you clutch to safety don't you, you clutch to safety so there's somebody over there who's had a traumatic birth, therefore you will clutch onto them mm -hmm. as a safety mechanism, but actually that will then help to keep you stuck in that trauma. So, right. so things like so things that can be really helpful are actually getting a space to actually share your story. So having somebody who can listen to you, but really listen like without judgment and really listen without advice and really listen without like without getting involved, without saying anything, just actually really listening mm -hmm. and really honoring your feelings and really, really validating your feelings. And so that you can get a really clear sense that it started, there was a middle and that there was an end point. That's really helpful when you're trying to process trauma. Started, there was a middle and there was an end point. So having somebody to really listen without without telling you about their friend around the corner's neighbor's daughter who also have who also happened to because that's what happens isn't it we we mm -hmm. you know when somebody tells you your story you're so keen to connect with them so therefore you sit there but you listen to respond right so to, to sort of to share and yeah it can be really helpful but actually it's trauma what you really need is somebody just to listen and get that story very 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 clear start middle end and this was the experience without without any interruption so i think that can be a really helpful, helpful so it, it's almost like a safe space for them to be able to sort of process it because um it's i can see where when you have trauma like it's you don't want advice from other people um, you don't want people to compare their stories either. Um, but you want a place where you feel like you can openly tell somebody, um, and pro and yeah, basically process it in a safe environment where it's not going to be used against you or, or, or held, Absolutely. um, yeah. Absolutely. as judgment, you know? Yeah, totally. And the sequencing is quite important as part of that, that somebody actually gets really clear clear sense of like the sequence of how things happened and being able to like yeah. put together like a story and then the brain can then file it away because it's like ah right, okay that's the story mm -hmm. so that can be really helpful journaling is like my other tool because of exactly that sort of same thing so if you don't have somebody who can sit and listen without interruption without judgment without sharing another experience journaling is a really 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 helpful process Mm -hmm. And you can journal just by writing down everything you feel about it. You can journal and write down the whole story from beginning to end. But you can also do some other really lovely things with journaling. And um, like letter writing can be a really helpful thing. 
So yeah, writing writing letters to people who are involved and these letters will never ever ever leave your house. You can burn them after yeah. you've written them. But writing letters to the people that were involved in a good way or, or a bad way doesn't really matter. There's no judgment there. But just writing letters to sort of stakeholders. I love that. I actually do that myself. Um, you know, obviously, like birth trauma and things like that. Like, you know, a lot of women that I've talked to, it's more, I think, because of the medical community, how they were treated. I was going to actually ask some, something in a second here, but um, what I was saying about the letters is they're very therapeutic. Like I, I've yeah. done them myself, written letters, and I burn them yeah. because it's a way of sort of release, releasing the negative energy or the sadness or something Absolutely. involved that um, you've kind of experienced. And again, you know, you don't pass them on to other people or things like that. But what I was going to ask you is um, during this time right now in the world, and women going into the hospital and stuff because I, I know in the UK it's more like about midwives and stuff but have you noticed um I want to say like an increase or a different kind of trauma with women going into the hospital now with this whole pandemic going on and things like that because now it's it's kind of taking away from some women's birth plan I guess of what they wanted and you know masked not masked all this kind of stuff it's kind of put more restrictions on on how they um their choices i guess their choices in the matter how do you know um, i think it's really impacted the choices but lots of other things as well because so it, there's there's it's multi-factored but birth trauma rates have definitely definitely gone up yeah. so first of all what i would say is women themselves are in a really heightened state of anxiety so right. they are in a really 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 heightened state of anxiety before they go in so when you think about animals giving birth like animals who are very anxious giving birth will have really difficult birth experiences right. so what's happening is women are going into are going to give birth and are probably have well they do have heightened anxiety because they're living in, in this like fear about covid mm -hmm. and then there's this like fear about um like that you're going to catch covid and then that then means you're going to be isolated in a room Oh, okay. Or like if your partner has COVID, so I've had people whose partners have been tested for COVID and therefore the partners haven't been allowed in. So yeah. therefore the first few weeks before they give birth they're in this like heightened state of like anxiety about catching COVID, about COVID passing to the baby, even though there's very like little to no evidence at all that that's an issue. Do you find um, there's more there's more home births because of this, like because of the anxiety and the fear of going into the hospital? Like I know everybody can't have a home birth. Um, you know, if you're you obviously the baby has to be completely healthy in the right position, all that stuff for that to happen. But do you find that women are kind of gravitating more to that direction? With, with yeah, so happening. more women are definitely having, um, I would yeah. say that that definitely has happened. But one of the issues that we've had in the UK specifically, I'm not sure about Canada or anywhere else, but one of the issues that we've had in the UK is that they stopped doing home births for quite a long time. So they weren't doing home births because they didn't want to put their staff at risk right. of going into people's homes. Um, but there was definitely been an increased appetite for people um, wanting home births. Um, the other issues that we've had is because of the stress um, that the healthcare workers were under. We've had midwives in the UK leaving and doctors and other yeah. medical people leaving um, the, the profession. So um, I was working with somebody the other day and when she was in labour, she was in the antenatal ward and she was told 
that um, that there was um, currently nine women in labour and there was only four beds in the labour ward. So can you imagine? Yeah, can you stand in the hallway? <laughs> like, yeah, can you stand in the yeah. hallway? And so she was like, she was getting herself really, um, you know, really worked up about that. You know, it's really yeah. tricky. We've also had, I've also had situations of people who have, um, the when you go in, you have to get a lateral flow test, and so waiting the lateral flow test. So it's like, yeah. oh, um, so it's like the sort of like the. So we have different testing here for uh, COVID. So there's a lateral flow test, which isn't quite as accurate, but it's a, it's like a DIY kit to okay. be able to test COVID. Okay. I don't know what's called in Canada. There will be something. So we've got like a PCR test. Oh yes, yeah, so and a lateral flow that. test. Mm-hmm. So the lateral flow test is like a a home kit. So um, so when you go into hospital, you get given like a lateral flow kit, and as a lateral uh, flow test, and as you're waiting for the result, it means you can't. You're not. You're not allowed to go into the labour ward, so you can be in active labour. But they oh won't gosh. put you into it. So we've I've, like I've had all sorts of things, and then the other side of it is I had women who were separated from older siblings or separated from their parents because of COVID right at the start of the pandemic. So breast right. rates have really, really, really gone up. There's such a yeah. I was gonna say like I I haven't been obviously in in any kind of healthcare system like I used to be a nurse, but I haven't been in any healthcare system, so I haven't seen it for myself, but. I was just sort of wondering like what the process was more for women now going into hospitals and things like that. And I'm sure like there's a, yeah, like I couldn't imagine waiting around. Like I went into active label very fast myself and I couldn't imagine standing there in pain and someone telling me like, you know, to take a test or stand in the hallway or anything like that. Like it would almost make, I think women panic and Uh give, give, give birth in the car or give exactly. birth at home or, and it's again un, an unplanned it's it's very yeah. um hard yeah. and absolutely you know. and there's been a number of partners who've missed their babies being born so a number of women gave birth on their own as well in the pandemic so um so that was really, really difficult either partners were told to be outside in the car um and then um by the time they came in it was too late or told to go home and by the time we came in it was almost too late yeah a lot of things have really happened over the last year so right it's been a really 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 tricky um 18 20 months um you know it's been a really 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 tricky time for for women giving birth so um and not allowed doulas not allowed um additional birth partners um right because they've had like one one um birth partner policy so right um, oh that would that like yeah because i know with my second i was able to have i had uh two midwives because one was in training and watching and i had two doulas because again one doula was in training and my partner so i had quite a few people in the room and i couldn't imagine them just saying like you need one person because it's like do you want someone that's trained in birth or your partner there? Like, you know, and then it's like you have to choose and then you start to feel like, and people, you know, they want their mom and they want their partner there as well. Yeah. Like it's comfort, right? It's comfort, yeah. And what you really need is that emotional safety. And when you think about birth trauma, it's often not what's happened to somebody, but it's how, it's often how that experience has been lodged and that experience has been lodged depending on 
how they have been regulated in that environment right. which is why somebody can have quite a traumatic birth but if they have got an amazing midwife or an amazing doctor or an amazing partner or an amazing mum or an amazing doula who can be there and stand with them and, and ensure that they know that they're safe yeah. and that their baby's safe and that everything's going to be okay regardless of whatever's going around them. Well, it's such a vulnerable time but for that you, right? Makes, that makes such a difference. Whereas if you've had a really difficult experience and you can't escape it because you can't fight or flight and there's nobody there to regulate you through that, throughout that experience, so there's no emotional holding, Yeah, that is when you'll experience um, birth, birth trauma or perinatal trauma because you need somebody yeah. to be with you to regulate you and let you know that you are safe. That's well, what humans need. Yeah. We need co-regulation. So we need somebody to let us know that, that you, you are safe. Everything's yeah. going to be okay. Well, I even remember that because um, my second, I didn't have any drugs nothing I did it all natural and I couldn't imagine like because you need someone to sort of talk you down when you go into those states because you kind of already are in a panic state I would say anyways minus all this happening you know um I I couldn't imagine like on top of that having to think about all these other things you know yeah, so absolutely. what's what's a few more things that you could give to women that can kind of help them through these times so I think there's like a lot of things like rest and recovery. Like I think that's yeah. really underestimated and that's really a lot of the work that, that you do. Like nutrition is really important yeah. as part of that. That kind of like recovery is really important. Looking after themselves is really important. I think it is really um, undervalued, like the importance of rest. Yeah. But if you've been through a really difficult experience and you're looking after a baby, that is enough. Like yeah. That is enough for you to do. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to put your body into like a state of survival right off the bat. And I think there's a yeah. massive difference. And you probably noticed this too, from the Western world to the Eastern world, because yeah. we're surrounded by a lot more um, in the Eastern like community, the nourishment of the food, um, you know, the mothering of the mothers coming in and helping and, um, you know, giving that mom that rest and that time. And I think in the Western world, like you said, we're sort of kicked out the bed right away um given a brand new baby expected to sort of fit back into skinny jeans go to work in six weeks and you know live off of you know a coffee throughout yeah, the day and it absolutely. just it isn't feasible right absolutely totally agree with you so i think really that rest and that recovery is really undervalued like the importance mm -hmm. of that rest recovery relaxation and that is such an important part of recovery um and, and I'm, I'm not talking here about sitting on your phone um, zoning out I'm talking about proper mm -hmm. proper deep rest so that might mean boundaries and saying you don't want to have visitors mm -hmm. it might mean um, asking for help which which can feel really uncomfortable it might be addressing your needs in different ways yeah so different things to support that recovery but rest is really undervalued but yet in terms of trauma it's probably, probably the thing that you need the most and learning to rest learning to relax supporting your nervous system so deep breathing all of these things are really important what you eat what you drink you know how you're nourishing yourself and um, you know going out for gentle walks because some the walking 
is a really um is a really important part of recovery um in, in terms of like the rhythm of walking can really support that recovery from trauma and mm-hmm. um, so there's lots and lots of things that people can do to support their recovery from trauma just through rest really rest mm-hmm. with like replenishment and um, you know they've been through a lot yeah so and just that realization that recognition what they've been through so being compassionate to yourself you know and compassion you know when you're resting and you're looking after yourself that is compassion right um, so that's quite an important part of it and then obviously thinking about getting professional help you know um not everybody needs professional help you don't necessarily need it but there's lots of different um therapies and out there uh, therapies and um, interventions out there that can support you so go and see a counsellor um, CBT um, EMDR somatic experiencing um, TRE which I think is tension, I wrong, tension release exercise um, kinesiology acupuncture all of these things can help um, I offer emotional freedom technique and um, another intervention called the rewind which I find really exceptionally powerful for supporting trauma but there's lots and lots of different therapies that will support you as part of that recovery Um, and there's not one right therapy for everybody different people will need different therapy and different support and different practitioners it's really important that you seek somebody out who understands specifically perinatal trauma Um, I've seen a lot of people who have been to see somebody who doesn't understand birth and doesn't understand birth trauma so they're possibly a trauma specialist yeah they don't understand what's so traumatic about giving birth so it's important you see somebody who's got a real understanding of birth and birth trauma it makes me think because um i've done emdr myself and and i i would imagine that birth trauma itself is a very physical thing because it's like again when you're giving birth your body's kind of doing what it wants and you sort of feel like a bit of on the sidelines um to like like i felt like i was a science experiment for this you know baby and um i could imagine that when things are sort of happening out of your control which they are you can't control your labor you can't control the way you know your body's going the baby's going but also your environment now on top of that too um very stressful um i would imagine that what you said, EMDR, EMT, all that kind of stuff, because it deals with such um, a physical thing, it would really help, I think, reset your body. Um, The reason I think a lot of the times, like the tapping therapy, the EMDR, because when people, um, like when I first started, I was a bit bit afraid to sort of start it because I didn't really want to open Pandora's box. And that's sort of why I didn't want to do it. Um, But what I noticed was that it started to sort of unravel a physical side of me that I I repressed and it was coming out in ways where when I was working with a therapist um, they would have me sort of follow their finger as I was explaining something and I was sort of like why are we like why are we doing this I don't get it but what's happening is you're moving part of your trauma over into the other side of your brain and yeah. without you kind of knowing it and it's almost like it's it's processing on a different on a different wavelength and it's and it's helping you that way and what I realized when I was doing it was I was having sort of experiences of um, like like 
my body started to tense up or shake um, and that when I think back to the trauma that I had experienced that was in the moment what I was doing so it was almost yeah. like my body was trying to release this pent-up feeling and emotion um, because again like you said you can also deal with therapists that uh, don't understand birth trauma or like the specific trauma that you're going through because it's not always talking through it like I find I could sort of talk about it, but nothing was making any difference for me until yeah, I sort agreed. of did the physical thing. Cause the physical thing is what I was holding inside yeah. of me. And that was, I think the shaking, the, the, um, the tension, the, the teeth grinding, like, um, the weird, like my eye movements and things like that. And that's also part of being tra traumatized is your body Absolutely. reacts in certain ways. Absolutely, totally agree. And that's why some of the somatic, some of the somatic um, approaches such as somatic experiencing, TRE, EMDR, EFT can be really, really, really helpful. So, can you explain um, some of them just because I'm not sure, like I know what EMDR is, but can you tell me sort of what the difference is in some of the therapies that people use? I mean, they all kind of use similar approaches. So, yeah. um, so somatic experience is like quite, um, like, uh, Obviously, re recalling the, the memory, but also moving your body as you're recalling it. So, right. Okay. I've, I've, I've never actually physically experienced somatic experiencing. I've just read lots about it. But yeah. Think, Peter Peter Levine is the person to look at YouTube. He's got loads of YouTube videos, and um, so he's the person to look at um, right. in terms of somatic experiencing. But it's really, really, really powerful for trauma. Um, I use EMDR. Is um, EMDR and EFT are very, very similar. So you bring into focus like the experiences that you have had, and um, and you with tapping, we tap on these parts of our head, face, and body, mm -hmm. and that helps the amygdala to um, to uh, regulate and and become much more much calmer and when that's calmer then you can engage the rational brain and it helps that it helps to follow the memory and emdr mm -hmm. is very 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 similar they're both quite similar and both quite have sort of similar efficacy in terms of you know when they look at life for like they both have similar ish mm -hmm. results um eft is newer than emdr so it's still not got same credibility behind it mm. but the studies that are out there are fairly promising and the lovely thing about EFT is that you can learn to do that yourself which is what I think is really good about EFT um, uh, then there's TRE which I have had experience I've been a guinea pig to some of my friends um, and I've been a guinea pig for EMDR as well some of my friends have been training so I've done EMDR as well um, TRE is a bit like um, yoga you don't necessarily recall the experiences but it's about really sort of um focusing on how the psoas muscle um is holding on to all that tension related to the the, tra the trauma mm -hmm. that you experience it's particularly good i think for complex ptsd yeah and um, it's particularly good for people who've experienced a lot of trauma um, but again that is showing really, really, really promising results in terms of trauma, trauma therapy. And I didn't actually remember to include my other, my other favourite um, approach, which is internal family systems, um, which is starting to gain a really good reputation. And that is really good for trauma as well. Again, that is um, going back to going back to those experiences and those and those times, and really think about what was it you needed and really healing, healing that in quite a different 
um, in quite a different way, but again, it's really, really, really powerful. Um, I think a lot of talking therapy doesn't always really get to the root of, doesn't really always get to the root of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CBT is like seen to be the gold standard for trauma, but yet it's only 50% effective. That's co- for, cognitive for behavioral therapy. Behavioral therapy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And it also puts like a lot of emphasis like on you that you're doing something wrong because you're, there's something wrong with your thinking and how you're approaching right. it. And you could be thinking about it in a completely different way. And it's all about changing your thinking. Um, and I think that, like, I, I don't particularly always like, sometimes I think it's really helpful to change your thinking and change your outlook. Mm-hmm. But I think when you've experienced trauma, I think a lot of the time what you need is like that validation of those experiences and that processing bit mm-hmm. by bit. So when you'd have done EMDR, you'd have probably stepped through it in tiny, tiny, tiny bits as you were doing the EMDR. And EFT is like that as well, and it's really good for sequencing what's happened so that the brain then knows this was the start point this is what happened and this is how it ended like this is like where it ended right so really getting very clear on those bookends so it sounds like kind of a combination of all things together cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy so the talking aspect and then also the physical aspect like i said i experienced myself because you can talk sometimes and never feel like you're getting anywhere Um, And that's where I think sometimes the EMT, the EMDR, the acupuncture, where it's got a bit of a change in your energy um, will help you out. So I'm really thankful that you came on here today, Tricia. So um, how can some of our moms connect with you uh, now? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best place is Instagram. So it's at Trisha Murray UK. Although I'm UK based, I do work with mums internationally. So I do work with mums um, right across the world. Um, so that's probably the best place. Or else my website, which is www.trishamurray.co.uk. Um, and I've got a new download there specifically for mums who have experienced some parental trauma in terms of a guide to recovery for parental trauma. So um so I'll send you the link so that you So I'll put the link in the show notes here because it looks like we have one called Seven Steps to Supporting Your Own Recovery from Trauma. And yeah, I think absolutely. that would really help women sort of process and go through. So I'll leave your website link for mums to be able to download that and have a look. So it was a pleasure having you on today and I'm thrilled for our mummy viewers to be able to use some of these um, tools. And it was really fascinating and listening to all the advice and everything that you have for us today. So thank you, Trisha. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Bethany. Thank you for having me. And um, I really, really enjoyed today. Thank you.